and welcome to the weekly review. This is Roman. It's Friday. We're in June. Yes, it's June 9th, 2017. I am joined here by Azalia. Thanks for uh, turning on. Turning on the mic might help. Yeah. Let's see. Can you hear me now? Let's see. Try again. Hello. Hey. Um, again. Hello. Hey. Hey, hey. Yeah, that's hey, good. Hey. Yeah, I think so. We're good. Excellent. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, welcome. Welcome to the show, everyone. Uh, just got in back into the Bay Area yesterday after some time in New York, which was really lovely and wonderful. You were missed. Oh. Oh. Ah, shucks. <laughs> well, I feel grateful to live in a time when one can hop on a metal machine and end up in another part of the world in a number in a matter of hours mm, safely. safely yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh i'm so glad you got back safely <laughs> yeah me too me too um new york was really amazing and wonderful and i miss it tremendously oh. it's a lot of great folks out there and i feel like no matter how long i'm there there's always more people i want to see of course uh, of course kind of works out that way uh, how long were you there for just nine days oh okay yeah Oh, what'd you do? I uh, saw some people. Went to a family gathering. Ended up at my college reunion, which I wasn't quite. Which I was kind of like, I was like on the fence about. And then a friend posted and was like, "All right, if I'm gonna be this far away, then I might as well go." And it was really cool. Awesome. I hadn't been back on campus in a long time. Sick. Saw some folks I hadn't seen in 15 years. Wow. Yeah. How was that? It was really cool. I saw my my first year roommate who I had. We we've been connected online, so like, okay. so that was cool, and it was just great to see. It's always great to see people in person and to give hugs and to just feel people's energy and to connect in that way. So I was really grateful to be out there. Yeah, that's one thing Facebook can't do for you. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, do you want to just uh, talk a little bit closer to the Hello? mic? Yeah. We good? Yeah, that's good. Okay. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I know that is one thing that uh, social media deprives us of, actually feeling people's energy. Yeah. Maybe yeah. just that, that one. one. Yeah. Awesome. It's super, super DIY here as per usual, which I like. Hello. Better? Oh, yeah. Much better. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There we are. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. <laughs> yeah, I was on a show at uh, Radio Free Brooklyn. Uh, Tuke Edelow hosts a show, What Would Save the World? So we talked a little bit about what would Ooh. save the world, and that was cool. And it was awesome to see as like another you know, kind of collective radio station out there. So it was really cool to see that they're, they're set up. Oh. There was like a, a record store on the top floor and then the radio station was in the bottom. And it was just really awesome to be a part of that. Heck yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, bringing the East and West together. Exactly. Oh. Yeah, it was really nice. Oh, I'm jealous. Yeah. <laughs> well, there will be time in the future. I'll, I'll have to check some other places out for yeah. sure. <laughs> I feel like we should do an exchange, you know, folks from the, the East Coast Intern. come out West and vice versa. <laughs> that would be awesome. Share what we know. There's a lot of anti-Trump graffiti out there. A lot, a lot. And Did that you was get nice. pictures? I only got one. I didn't take a lot of pictures. I feel like hmm. part of me is like, oh, that would be a cool picture. And then I just don't for whatever reason. And then also sometimes I'm in a situation where other people are taking pictures. And then you don't want to, yeah. So it's like, oh, someone else is getting this. Then why? However, I, there is that some regret of like, oh, that would have been cool. I only I think two yeah. <laughs> two pictures my entire time and they were both of one was a banner that someone had hanging outside their window mm-hmm. that was a, a Martin Luther King quote that said remember everything that Hitler did in Germany was legal yep and then the other thing I got said fuck Trump yes and there was a lot of that just very to the point yeah fuck Trump a lot of that in New York so that was really reassuring to see definitely 
Oh, that's so good. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Yeah, no, I feel the same way about taking pictures, especially if you see a bunch of other people doing it. You're like, yes. man, they got it. But exactly. Dang it, I should have gotten their information. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's like very much like, oh, I want to be in the moment. Although it's also, oh, this is like two seconds. That's yeah. Not too, well, you know, no, 10 I totally seconds It, it takes away day. from the feeling. I yeah. totally get it. Being a photographer is like a whole other mindset, though. It's yeah. interesting how today's society that's like part of it like snapchatting and all these i i don't know i feel like you're not really in the moment but i guess it's this is a whole generation of photographers which yes. is awesome someone's yeah. got to document this shit yeah and i guess it's good that everyone has access to it too yeah. or not everyone but people with a, a, a phone with a camera on it yeah which is everyone these days yeah, yeah. i remember so when nice. that was like a fancy thing having a camera i remember when those uh, smartphones came out oh God. i was working in an office and this one person was like ooh, i have an iphone and everyone's like ooh. yeah everyone gathers around it was similar to third grade when paul greger uh name drop i don't he was this kid i went to i have no idea what happened to him yeah. we went to elementary school together and he came in one day with a vanilla ice cassette tape and everyone's like ooh. Oh. <laughs> that's <laughs> so, awesome that's another memory from childhood <laughs> right you're like not to well now everyone knows how old you are <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's okay it's not a secret yeah <laughs> people still think i'm in my early 20s which is fine that's so lucky so lucky well, i guess to live in an ageist society that's i guess yeah right yeah there's you know what i caught myself lying about my age being older though i mm-hmm. went to a punk show yeah and every it was like a like an older crowd everyone was at least in their mid-30s 40s and then i'm 27 mm-hmm. and i someone asked how old i was and i said 30 huh. and i like caught, i was like why did i lie about being old oh <laughs> I don't, you know, it's true, it's ageist, but for other, you know, for different reasons. Yeah. I'd much rather be, I'd rather have people think I'm older than younger, because yeah. I don't want to be naive and ignorant. Or, oh, sure. I don't know. I, I feel like there's also just being respected, too. Like, it's really frustrating yeah. when people who are younger than me assume I'm younger than them. Yeah. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm like, do you not see, like, the gray hairs in my beard? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not that you exactly. can't get them when you're younger, but it still is, like, yes. I guess it's some indication. You had to work for that. I did. I had to stress out a lot. Yeah. I was alive during the Reagan years and the W years. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, God. Hasn't been good for my health. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Poor brain. Poor brain. <laughs> wanting to survive. God. <laughs> That's who I will attribute those those hairs to. It's okay. It's yeah. okay. Someone had to stress out. Because obviously Bush wasn't too stressed. Oh. He was way too carefree, which is awesome. Should have been an artist. Yeah, exactly. Family pressure. Yeah, right? She should have stuck to the sax. Oh, no, that was Clinton. Sorry. <laughs> Him Clinton. too. Yeah. I'm not a fan of that family. Gosh. Oh, oh, oh God. where to begin? Should have just stuck to the sax. <laughs> yeah, if everyone had just stuck to the arts. Well, if the arts were funded in this country, things would be different. Oh, totally. People would stop being so money hungry or mm-hmm. power hungry. Like, yeah, or just, both. Just play my violin. And yeah. Peaceful. Simple pleasures. Yeah, <laughs> simple pleasures indeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Well, it's good to see you. I know, you too. Yay. Yay. <laughs> uh, last week, I just played a lot of music. Awesome. Well, it was half and half. Yeah. You know, I feel like when we're here, it's like... 75% chit chatting and mm-hmm. 25% music. Last time I was like, all right, I'm out of things to say. Let's listen to some dead Kennedys. Awesome. Fuck yeah. It was great. <laughs> music is wonderful. Yes. The universal language. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 
So, yeah, opened me. up the show. Speaking of which, a song by The Briefs that J.D. Buell, who hosts the show before us, mm-hmm. played, and that's called No More Presidents by The Briefs, and that came out in 2004. Oh, nice. So that's been, th- you know, we've been thinking about this for a while, No More Presidents. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, uh, when I came last week, he was playing more old oldies mm-hmm. and such so i'm surprised it was a song from 2004 oh yeah he plays like a, a whole variety of songs that are great so nice. it's nice to come in early and be able to listen yeah no and he's like playing strictly records oh yeah is that a record that he was playing or no i think i believe that was digital yeah okay yeah when i came in last time i was very impressed i was like Ooh, yeah. records cool. yeah Ooh, records <laughs> legit yeah <laughs> God. Speaking right. of your tattoos, we're not speaking of yes. them, but now we yeah. are. Okay. <laughs> There's a segue. <laughs> Wild cards. <laughs> Wild card. So there was a bar. So uh, I ran into a friend in New York, which was cool. And we went to this arcade, which is one of, there's a few bars that are just, they have a bar and then they also have like a lot of uh, arcade games. So they awesome. had Ms. Pac-Man and Tetris, which we played. <sighs> and yes. my friend was commenting, Catherine was commenting on the whole Ms. Pac-Man, like loving the, the, mm-hmm. the, pac-man and ms pac-man with the heart yeah and i was like i have a friend with that tattoo yeah i think she mentioned like that'd be a cool tattoo and i was like i know someone who has that tattoo it is a cool tattoo (laughs) so that was cool got my tetris on got in the top 10 and my only played once and got in the top 10 which is good for my ego heck yeah i'm good at tetris other games mm. Yeah, no, I'm really good at Pac-Man yeah. also. Yeah, I got to show a friend the other day. Uh, we were at a bar in Oakland where they have mm. skee-ball and a Pac-Man machine. Oh, yeah. And I literally was like, get away from me. Just give me like four quarters. That sounds like an, <laughs> an evening. Yeah, it was awesome. And then like 20 minutes later, I'm like still on my first quarter. Oh, yeah. And I was like so close to the high score. But it pisses oh. me off because, you know, people get to the high score by putting extra quarters in. Oh. I feel that's cheating. Like, yeah. you should, like if you're going to get to the high score, it should only be one quarter. I agree with that assessment. That's, yeah, that's respectable, but... I got halfway to the high score on one quarter, and I was just That's like, great. if I'd put in another one, I bet I could have beat it, but mm. I didn't want to be a cheater. Yeah. yeah. But you have, like, the top ten, though, right? Yeah, then, yeah. Okay. Well, in Pac-Man, I think you could only see in the uh, top left, it just says, like, high score. Oh, I see. I'm sure I was probably close to the top ten, mm-hmm. or I just walked away angrily before it showed the yep. credits afterwards, mm-hmm. you know? Whatever. <laughs> oh, also, it's funny you mentioned um, wanting, because I guess they've been admiring my gaming colorful tattoos. And yeah. they're like, you know, I want a, a new tattoo. I've been thinking of like a video game tattoo. And I'm like, hmm, I wonder what inspired you to get a video game hmm. tattoo. Hmm. And they mentioned they liked playing a lot of uh, Sonic as a kid. And, and I was like, that would be a cool tattoo. And then I went and hung out uh, with all the skater kids at the Ferry Building. And I realized one of my good friends, Louie, he has a tattoo of Sonic the Hedgehog. Like, a really tall Sonic on his forearm. And I was like, oh, snap. Yeah. <laughs> I know a friend. But nice. you, you are that friend. <laughs> way cooler. Way cooler. And you can tell his is a lot older, too. He's had it for at least 10 years. Oh, so, yeah. Like, legit. Cool. <laughs> Excellent. Yes. Yeah. You have how many tattoos do you have? I only have two. Okay, yeah, it's like one on your arm, right? Yeah, one on my arm. Yeah, where else? Right on my side. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember that little one. Yeah. (laughs) There's a few that I've been wanting to get for a while, and I will at some point when the time is right. Yeah, it's therapy. It's very therapeutic. Mm 
Because it's like pain, but it's good pain. It's yeah. Like the artistic and, pain. And then you have it for the rest of your life. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's awesome. That was something that was neat. I, so I saw my first year roommate who I hadn't seen, and she also had a colorful lotus on on her left arm. Oh, what? So it was like this very cool, we're like, oh my goodness. Oh, on the same Same way. arm, same tattoo. Yeah, friends for life. Friends for life. Aww. It was this unintentional uh, yeah. bonding. That's so cool. Yeah. Like, you know, you're always connected to people. Mm-hmm. You're not really aware of it, but mm-hmm. they're there. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> so you're back in time for Pride. Back in time for Pride. Yes. And there's a lot of folks who are planning a, you know, resistance mm-hmm. side of Pride, which I fully support. Yeah, tell me. Um, so, you know, we'll be talking more, I think, as the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah progress and seeing what's what's happening like la was planning just to have a full-on protest instead of pride for their Ah, march and that includes you know not having or not having as much corporate sponsorship and then also not having the police involved Mm -hmm. so those are two big elements in terms of bringing pride back to the original it's it's uh, origins which of course was Mm -hmm. people throwing objects at the police who were trying to arrest them yeah i think folks don't younger folks in particular don't quite recognize the yeah. history of it no they don't it's just a reason to party yeah which has been a an issue i know for quite some time yeah a lot of a lot of feedback from close friends that they're just like i don't even want to go yeah it's a bunch of straight kids getting drunk wearing rainbow <sighs> shirts the bros <laughs> bros that was what's nice about new york is that there are so many people and it's so diverse that you really walk down the street and you see so many people and mm-hmm. then here in, in san francisco in particular i'd say more here so here than in the east bay it's just very it's so oh, yeah. homogenous that it's like it's sickening mm, yeah. yeah i had a friend not too long ago uh where were we i met her at a bar and it's funny i wanted to say oh I was I went with Justice to some bar in the Castro and they were playing like house music which was awesome. Mm-hmm. She's from Chicago and she loves house music and it was just awesome watching her dance around. But after about an hour she like got really quiet and she was like is it just me there's like way too many white guys here. And I was like, yeah. Hashtag story of my life. Hey, yep. Uh, yeah. But it was nice. Usually I'm the first one that's like, I feel uncomfortable. Yep. There's way too many white guys here. Yep. But she immediately, after a while of dancing, I think she wasn't really paying attention until the music slowed down. Mm-hmm. Then she's like, holy shit. Yeah. I feel really, like I stick out a lot here. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. Yep, yeah. That's how it is. That's real. Yep. Real talk. Real talk. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was in the heart of the Castro, man. Well, a, not a surprise, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. What we'd have been talking about before. Yeah. Not much diversity, even in a supposedly diverse place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, She's well, awesome, though. Yeah. I was glad that she was there, though. Yeah. But then it's funny. She did. She kept pointing out how she felt like just like a commodity. You know, mm-hmm. people would be like, oh, you know, the, the queer black girl with dreads, super outspoken and awesome. And then people would just like latch on to her and then just be like, okay, bye. And then mm. like let her go. And then she like came up to me a few times, like feeling used. Mm. And I, I was like, shit. Yeah, I'm like, just stick with me, dude. I'm not just, I'm like, I came with you. I'm going to leave with you. There, And it is true. Like, she would, like, be taken away from me. And they'd be like, look at my friend. Look at, and, and, uh, and I felt, it was really awesome. I mean, not all, I mean, it was horrible, but I was glad that she, like, recognized it and talked about it. And was Mm -hmm. like, yeah, they're, like, using me. And I was like, yeah, fuck them. And she actually went up to someone, like, as they were leaving. She was just like, fuck you. Yeah. And, like, they just thought she was drunk. But I was like, she was drunk, but you guys don't even know what you're doing while you're yeah. doing it you're just 
excusing her, I guess. I mean, to validate yourself, I don't know. Like, well, I feel like, yeah, that's so much of, like, the gay uh, culture where it's just, like, stealing from, like, POC culture. Oh. And, like, the language and everything. Yep. Where yep. it's just commodifying mm. it and appropriating uh, it. It happened right before my eyes. <laughs> I just, like, kind of sat and drank yeah. and watched her get, and I was just like, oh, man. It's true. It's <laughs> like, uh, like, so there was a documentary called Strike a Pose mm-hmm. that's about the backup dancers for Madonna from her Vogue tour. Oh. And I know it's not called the Vogue tour. Forgive me. Yeah. I know people are like, <laughs> Sorry, actually, Roman, it's, it's called the blank, but blank, blank. It's the something, 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 something st- tour. Someone is screaming at the top of their lungs yeah, right like, now. Roman, ah! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the phone is ringing off the hook, by Yeah, the way. our no. phone is right. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> ringing. Literally, it's like ringing off the hook. It's yeah. just bouncing around. Um, <laughs> so many people are calling right now to complain. Um, yes. Yeah, and it, it talks about how, you know, she kind of used a lot of the, the ballroom culture and used it to... Mm-hmm and use the the uh, workers and the work i don't know like the, her backup dancers and a lot of them f- people felt exploited yeah by how how they were used and you know on one hand she's like bringing it to the greater mm. you know br- kind of making it making them more well known and on yeah. the other hand it's still just not treating them as well and kind of making it like her as if it's her own thing that she has created yeah i know that's something i've always thought that probably does it kind of coincide with acting like when i think like like, I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I had talked to Jasmine about this, too. Like, when, you know, when you first start out, do you, like, just take any role possible? Like, do mm-hmm. you work for free? And, you know, and it's it's kind of with mus- being a musician. I mean, just anything in the arts, you kind of are used in the beginning and exploited. And But then you, like, you have to draw the line. As, yeah. You know, you're like, am I being used? Like, or can I represent myself now? Absolutely. Which is kind of hard to, I mean, I don't know how people do it. I mean, luckily, I've never really been in that position. Because, like, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, so many artists don't get paid or you have to pay to perform. Yep. And then when there are, like, when you do get paid sometimes, especially as an actor, there are, like, certain things. And I think musicians, too, where, like, you're, mm-hmm. if you sign a record contract, I mean, I feel like that's more like the olden times when they had the contracts mm-hmm. with the record companies. But mm-hmm. then you have to tour or you have a certain mm-hmm. amount of, I, I got this awesome, it's like a Prince zine that was really cool and had a lot of facts about Prince's history. Oh, awesome. And it talked about just as many other musicians getting signed to, even though he had a lot of creative control with the first contract that he signed, there was still, you have to put out X number of albums in a number of years and you have to do certain things. And I feel as an actor, it's similar sometimes where you have to play a certain part and say certain words that you might not be comfortable with. And then especially when we look at the roles that certain people are supposed to play, especially like for non-white folks, what roles are available. Yeah. Where for for instance, for folks who are Arab or of Arab descent, then they, you know, there's like, terrorist roles or like people with like mm. you have to play it within an accent or you have to be if you're gay you have to be flamboyant or yeah. if you're a woman you have mm. to be like x y you know all these things that are not three-dimensional and not real at all yeah exactly yeah you're like where where do you put your foot down <sighs> yeah you're like where am i selling my soul to the devil yeah or well i mean you kind of are because you're doing because you need to make money mm-hmm. you got to pay the bills but that sucks <laughs> i mean yeah it, especially as a musician or an artist you know what if i mean it yeah, like writers and such. You get writer's block. Sometimes you're like, I can't write right now. But maybe that's because you just have to build yourself. It's like with self-care, you know? You need to build yourself back up so you can make beautiful music or poetry mm-hmm. or writings or whatever. And being under that kind of pressure by, you know, the freaking music companies. And you're like, no, I want to make good music. Yeah. Not shitty music just because you say so. Yeah. I mean, it's possible, but that's how we get, like, fucking... 
I don't want to name drop, but you get like Lil Uzi and all these little guys. Over my head. Good. Okay. <laughs> the, the guys that just sound like they're going, ah, and that's rap, apparently. Oh, okay. I don't know. I, my, my, I was with my niece this past week, and she taught me a few things about rap and new apps that kids are using, uh-huh. and it really made me depressed. I'm depressed even hearing about that. Yeah, you don't even know what it is, but you should be depressed about it. Unless it's like teaching little kids how to rise up against <laughs> no. authorities, then I'm kind no, of be depressed. No, I, I literally, t- oh my God, there's this restaurant in Oakland. Um, my, I went with my sister, um, my three-year-old nephew, and my nine-year-old niece, and I remember asking her, like, oh, where do you want to go out to eat? Because she's in Hayward, I was in Oakland, and I was trying to think of a place that was just convenient for both of us. My sister, if I forget the name of the place, oh, it's like Buffalo Wild Wings or something like that. Mm-hmm. And she, she goes, well, let's go there because they have iPads. And I was like, what do you no. mean? And she's like, yeah, they literally give the children iPads. So they sit there. Stop. It's a place. No. Yes. No. If I say no enough, no. it just will disappear, right? Maybe, that's yeah, how it works. Uh, you just pretend it doesn't exist and things go away that we don't like. Yeah, that's, it works Cover for me. <laughs> like Mike Pence with people being gay, just cover your eyes, pretend people don't exist. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's what is that solipsistic existence? It mm-hmm. just, it's not there. <laughs> oh. Yeah. And my, I like had to, you know, I was catching up with my sister and I just kept looking at my side, seeing my niece. And, again, and she wasn't even looking at anything educational. Like maybe if she was watching some National Geographic. I might have been like, eh. but I like, and I was just getting more and more angry. And I eventually like just took it and I was like, let's talk. Yeah. Like, come on. What, what's going on with school? Let's, yeah. you know, like I want to talk to you too. I'm like, I do want to talk to my sister, but you need to like, this is bullshit. <laughs> like the, this, like you go to a restaurant to be with your family. If you yes. want your kids to watch TV yeah. or look at an iPad, stay at you home. You could do that anywhere. Yeah, exactly. Go home, put on the TV, go cook in your kitchen. I'm sure it's cheaper. I mean, mm-hmm. I, ugh. Yeah. yeah. I'm so conscious of that. Like I find myself too, when I'm, I try really hard and I definitely mm-hmm. do not succeed mm-hmm. d- not to be on my phone in public. Yeah. Cause it's always like, especially when I'm around other people, it's like, if I'm looking for directions, I could also be asking someone for directions. I could, it's mm-hmm. almost always a uh, way where I'm, I'm choosing to connect with a device instead of another person. It's true. And then yeah. also like when I'm not on it and I see other people on it, then I feel like I'm not able to connect with them or I don't want to disturb them or say something to them. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of why people use it. Mm-hmm. I mean, just cause they don't want to be disturbed or, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if maybe they're, they're probably not doing it consciously, but it's like, do you know what kind of connections you could be missing out on? Yeah. Like It's like contagious too. Like the more people you look around who are on their phones i feel like the more likely one is you to are. join oh yeah absolutely yeah i know you feel like the odd man now there's been mm-hmm. times where i'm like i'll like forget my phone or something and i'm on the bar and everyone is on their phone yeah. and i'm like i feel Definitely really weird yeah. yeah i feel when i when i remember to bring a book and read it then yeah. it's like all right cool and in a way it's also i'm separating myself from other people however i feel a lot more like oh i'm reading a book and it's also people can see the cover so i feel people can also start a conversation that way like exactly oh that looks like a neat book yeah that's why i love or reading some... really thought-provoking books in public yeah <laughs> like you know fuck the police and then you'll attract the right person and they're like oh, we <laughs> the police too we should be friends mm-hmm. <laughs> speaking of which we have a lot of news stories yes yes Ooh. please i know oh. um there's like a, we're not gonna get to i can just say that i was looking i was um looking on uh, all the the news stories to bring up before and I'm, i was just mm-hmm. thinking oh my gosh there's so many like there's so many problematic things happening and also some positive things happening yes and how yes. Mm-hmm. even if the show was 24 hours which would be really exhausting <laughs> yeah. um one get to all the things that are happening that are really important to talk about mm-hmm. so agreed <laughs> i'm gonna just we'll just go through and find see i even brought my laptop 
too. I was like, I I saved a few things too, and I was like, yeah. Ooh, I have things to talk about. Nice. <laughs> so there's a we probably saved a lot of the same ones. Yeah, we did. <laughs> I bet. So there's one that um so there's the the protest in Portland where a militia member um, aided the police in arresting protester as arresting a protester at the Portland alt right rally. So there's a photo of. Uh, a militia member who was getting zip ties from a police officer and helping arrest someone who was standing up against white supremacists. So there's an article from The Intercept about that. Oh, God. We can get to that. Yes. I'll go over a few of the... So at least we get to the headlines. Yeah. Please. Uh, uh. And then there's another one. So uh, there's a neo-Nazi named Billy Roper who's Mm. organizing... ACT, which is not American Conservatory of Theater, different. <laughs> yeah, I was like, no. Just to be clear, just to be clear, um, for America, so there's a march against Sharia, and there's a march happening in Arkansas. And also, they're called for June 10th for there to be um, a march. You know, they can't deal with the fucking fundamental Christians here in this country who cause a lot of harm. They can't deal with the fucking KKK in this country who cause a lot of harm. Instead, they're going after this idea of fundamentalist Muslims who cause less terror in this country than right wing supremacists, God. white supremacists do. Yeah. So, and there's also in Santa Clara tomorrow, oh, maybe I'll bring this, oh, there's so much to get to. Yes. Um, t- tomorrow in Santa Clara, there's a rally. I'm just going to bring it up right now. So June 10th, that's tomorrow in Santa Clara, drown out anti-Muslim bigotry. And that's tomorrow at 11 a.m. at Winchester Avenue and Stevens, Sir, Stevens CR Circle. And Stevens, Stevens Creek, Creek yeah. Boulevard. Yeah. You got it. Yeah, awesome. Like Thank Stevens you. <laughs> I was like, what is CR? It was cut off. Yeah. So yeah, tomorrow from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. And there's a Facebook invite you can find as well. So Santa Clara, drawn out anti-Muslim bigotry. And that's just one of the events yes. where folks can stand up against these people who are being super problematic. Yeah. Thank goodness. Yeah. Ay, Dios mío. Yeah, there also was an article about mm. alternatives to calling the police when someone has a mental health emergency. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah, and let's see. Oh, also, the speaking of the police, also, just going through here, on the in the Portland Tribune, there's an article, reporters held by police while covering downtown protest march. So again, much like the inauguration, uh, reporters have been arrested. So when people say, oh, we're not heading into fascist territory, yeah, we are, when they're arresting reporters and photographers. And I met, um, in New York, I met the first photographer who was arrested during the inauguration. No way. Yeah. Oh, man. So it's just... Yeah, he, he's the one who's been probably labeled a crazy guy what are you talking this is happening <laughs> yeah it's really it's like a lot of gaslighting and victim blaming oh, absolutely ridiculous so yeah we, so we can go ahead and i can read an article if you'd like to go yes. ahead first no go ahead all right yeah. so this is from the body is not an apology which is an amazing website i encourage everyone to go there all the time uh all the time is an exaggeration as often <laughs> as you can uh let's see and this might just take a moment to get to as uh, i press the wrong button but okay, five ways to help someone in a mental health emergency without calling the police. This came out on May 31st and was written by Katie Tastrom. Alfred Olango, a black disabled man, was murdered by police. Oh, by the way, trigger warning, we're talking about what's happening in the world. And we have a phone call <laughs> that may be uh, Mia Byrne, who's calling in. Oh, okay. It's like, so, hopefully it's not someone correcting us on our uh, Madonna error. Yeah, <laughs> we <so>. apologize. <laughs> Hello. Mm-hmm. Hey. Hi. Hey. Uh, my name is Javier. Mm-hmm. Hi. Uh, I was just curious. Uh, the other day I tried to uh, send a message to uh, Miss Benjamin. I forgot her first name. Pam. Pam Benjamin. Hello. Hello. Boop. That might be Hello. 
having, okay. having issues. <laughs> All right. Well, well, there was that. That was not. <laughs> uh, me and Bryn will hopefully be calling in today. Yeah. So. On. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Trigger warning, life. Trigger warning, life. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, five ways to help someone in a mental health emergency without calling the police. Yes. Alfred Alango, a black disabled man, was murdered by police last September. Some news outlets were reporting that he was in a mental and or physical health crisis. More clear than ever that we need to be extremely thoughtful about calling the police and should literally do everything we can to keep the police from being called. Yes. When someone is having a mental health emergency, the people around them may feel a loss of what else to do. It's important that we think about and create alternatives as we work towards a world without police. It is up to each of us to think about the safety risks that we are willing to take when someone is having a mental health emergency. But remember, people with mental health disabilities are 10 times more likely to be victims of violence than perpetrators of, and only 3 to 5% of violent acts are by people with severe mental health issues. Hmm. Here are a few things to think about, and you can use what is helpful and discard what is not. Uh True for everything. Uh, This comes from from my professional and personal experience as someone with mental health issues and working, loving, and living with others with mental health issues. Number one, harm reduction. Uh Yay, harm reduction. Yes. Harm reduction is a great model to use when thinking about mental health emergencies. One question to ask is, how can I make this person or situation safer? With a mental health emergency, the immediate goal is not for the person to be 100% okay, but for them to get to a place where they can utilize other resources. Mm -hmm. If they have weapons or other things that can escalate the situation, try to get them to let you hold the weapons. If they are having a crisis in public and you are worried the police may be called, try to get them somewhere private with their agreement. Mm -hmm. Number two, what are you worried about? I think the first question to ask yourself is, what is the fear? Many times people in mental health crises will make other people uncomfortable, though there is no real actual fear of harm. Yeah. Are you afraid that the person may kill themselves? You can learn how to support someone who is suicidal here, and they provide a link. If you are worried that they may be a danger to other people, in what way? Will they use weapons? Can you make the situation safer in any way? Are you worried that they need more formal mental health treatment than you can give? That's fine, but not a reason to call the police. Yep. Are there delusions making you uncomfortable? Our own internalized or not ableism can often manifest as fear when it is actually just discomfort. Yep. All right. Another phone call. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mutiny Radio. Hi. Um, your open mic that happens on uh, Fridays. Yes, uh, 6 p.m. Is, you know, I... I I uh, tried to send a message to the person who's in charge of that. Yep. It's uh, Miss Benjamin, or what's her name again? Uh, Pam Benjamin. Pamela Benjamin? Yeah. Or or just Pam? Pam. Uh, And I tried to get on your Facebook and uh, send you a message. All right. Is that the best way to contact her? Uh, Yeah, that's the best way. Okay. Um, All right, I'll try again. All right. (laughs) Okay, thank you. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> Number three. Mental health. <laughs> reach out to your community. We need community to create alternatives to police. However, some of us may have stronger communities than others. You don't need to do this alone. And reaching out to other people in the person in is crisis and in, in is crisis in crisis's community or your community can make all the difference. 
Are you out with a friend who is having a crisis and you can contact their partner or sibling who has a better idea of what to do? Can you create a schedule for friends to take turns sitting with someone who is feeling suicidal? We can do so much. (sighs) (laughs) Mutiny Radio. Hi, how are you? Hi, Mia. Thanks for calling in. (laughs) Good. Hello? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Hey. Hey, this is Azalia. Hey, how are you? Uh, Hello. I'm so sorry it took me so long to uh, to to get back to you. Oh, that's okay. Great to talk to you. Yeah, glad to have you on the show. <laughs> we were just reading about alternatives to calling the police when someone is having a mental health crisis. Ooh, that's really important. Yes, yes it is. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of good ideas so far. <laughs> oh, man. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, don't let me interrupt what you've already been talking about. <laughs> oh, Sure. You want well, to finish it up? Huh? Sure, let's finish it up. And it's very important. That's yeah, so said. they had five, and the first the first few were harm reduction, and then asking what folks were worried about. Next was reaching out to your community. And then the next two are thoughtfully use resources. So what resources are available to help? Does this person have medications that will be helpful? Are there safe places to go? Is the hospital a good option? Are there hotlines to call that can help? Though some suicide hotlines will call the police if they feel there is imminent danger, which is, I think, really messed up. Yep. (laughs) Is there a safe inpatient facility in your area that they are willing to go to? If you don't have a car, is there someone that does who can help with transportation? Do they have a therapist that helps them? And five, remember to center the person in crisis. Remember that the person having the mental health crisis is a person and their wishes should be followed as much as is safe. The best intervention strategies will be things that the person buys into and is done voluntarily. Those of us with mental health issues have likely been traumatized by doctors and other practitioners not listening to us or doing things against our will. All of this is contextual and there are no absolutes, but think about trauma when you are considering what actions to take. Though all of this, oh, through all of this, you should think about and consider your own safety. In the end, it is up to each of us to decide what our boundaries are and what we are willing to risk for ourselves and our loved ones and the communities we are creating. I especially encourage my fellow white people to really think about how white privilege plays into a willingness to call police and to commit to not call the police on our own accord. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's the, that's the article. Wow. And awesome. lots of good options for people. Definitely. Yeah, don't call the cops. Yeah. <laughs> They're not going to help. Please don't call the cops. Please yes. don't. <laughs> yes. You're going to end up with another uh, chalk body on the ground. Yeah. God. Yeah. Mm, disgusting. Yeah. So, um, initially, we're, um, we're hoping you can share some music with us, although we're totally happy to have you just talk about what's happening in your life and whatever you feel like sharing with us. Well, um, try to play some music. It's obviously more difficult because yeah. on the telephone yeah so, yeah <laughs> what type so, of music do you play day, but i could i could i could give you a link to play something yeah we definitely can nice i looked up one of your i looked up one of your songs before, ahead of time although if you'd like to recommend a particular one we can totally do that no if there's if there's one you'd like to play please go ahead um, I will give you an answer. So, I don't know. Do you want to introduce me to find all of your podcasts? Sure. So, this is uh, Mia Byrne, who is, uh, Mm. we met, uh, we have a lot of friends in common. We met recently, officially, at the Smack Dab Open Mic, which is at uh, the Castro Dog-Eared Books. Oh, And that happens the third Wednesday of the month. 
beautiful and it's a great queer open mic sweet (laughs) yeah so what type of music do you play um i would describe it as as uh rock and soul americana um i just got put on a spotify playlist of uh women and folk and americana music so um and i've won awards for being an americana Mm. artist so i suppose it falls under that yeah (laughs) for me it just feels like I don't know. I've often called my music contemporary classic rock. Nice. Sort of like, you know, it's like people like Tom Petty and, and Elvis Costello yeah. and Williams who are, yeah. who are my big influences. Yes. I mean, like, they've, they evolved. Yeah, exactly. But, um, but they've also, like, they've, they've had a continuum. I grew up listening to, listening to like, their new stuff. Here's, here's, here's Tom Petty's latest single. Like, Tom Petty is mm-hmm. now considered a heritage artist. Like, Sheryl Crow is considered a heritage artist. Wow. Yeah, that's Not awesome. mainstream. Isn't that weird? That's yeah. crazy. Um, I did not know strange? that. And, Good for Sheryl Crow. <laughs> yeah. and, but that's the way my, but my music comes out in a way that's, I mean, very accessible to a lot of people. And and I get a lot of comparisons to Crosby, Stills, and Nash and whatever, yeah. but it, I don't feel like my music is real throwback. Like, it's it's of this time and it's of me yeah and at the same time i'm always trying to expand what i'm doing mm-hmm. um and i have a, a myriad of influences from like otis redding to metallica to Soundgarden, and and awesome. it's just it's just been and and then all the just wonderful songwriters and composers so i don't know i've like uh, i don't know how to describe my music i'm like it's freaking great just listen just listen listen. are you mainly a solo artist or do you do a lot of collaborations um i collaborate with a lot of people on songwriting from time to time okay the album that uh roman has i believe i believe uh is almost all my songs with the exception of two cover songs okay um in the past i've collaborated in my prior band project which was called the ramblers Mm-hmm. Um, and I do a lot of co-writes with people um, who are friends of mine in the uh, in the International Folk Alliance scene. I'm a member of Folk Alliance. Awesome. So, um, I'm curious. Yeah, I've, <laughs> I've done quite a bit. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. Answer your question. Yes, absolutely. I'm I'm just curious as to what this sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm curious also as to how I feel like as an artist, sometimes it's difficult to put, I guess like the personal is political and the political is personal. And I'm curious as an artist, how you feel about expressing what you want to say without being too heavy handed. Mm, good question. I'm, yeah, it's, it's important for me. It's always been important for me to for whatever reason uh, there's all being influenced by the beats and other artists who use as broad palette strokes i think that i i tend to be intentionally ambiguous at times yeah um i i can be very pointed in my songs and and what there's what they're speaking to and who the audience is um i'm often trying to express something through a metaphor or simile or whatever experience it is Mm -hmm. um sometimes my songs are just very very obvious (laughs) uh in terms of what their content is because i'm trying to say something very specific i have a new song that i played 
when um, I met called American Dream, mm. which is just, it was, it was about another school shooting and, and it's, uh, and it's hard to write about things like that. Oh, and yeah. Incredibly inspired by people like, uh, my good friend, Beverly Grant, um, and my songwriting mentor, Jack Hardy of Blessed Memory, who, and, and other artists who are really, uh, Charlie King comes to mind, the, and Seeger, who are able to, to tell, um, and of course Woody Guthrie, who are able to tell a more historical story mm. within their songs. Um, I believe my songs are story songs. At the same time, my constant goal to myself is is to try to is to try to push myself out of my own boundaries, and and so you can really capture whatever particular zeitgeist is going on, and talk and, and talk about things that are timely um, and talk about people who actually existed and say their names. It's, it's, it's hard. You know, it's, I, I wrote, I wrote 10 songs about Donald Trump where he was ever a presidential candidate mm. and, uh, and none of them say his name. Yeah. I was um, going to say, did you just say what I think you said? <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> It's a <laughs> don't don't use his name. Just kidding. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> I, I I put air quotes around that. Yeah. You know. I like I, I mean, I being just in say New blank. York and seeing the Yeah, I know. <laughs> being in New York and seeing the way that, that he he took over the city and, mm. and bullied so many people in Scotland and I'm just I'm still in shock over it and I've been going over some past songs and I'm like, wow. <laughs> all of this stuff anyway mm. impeachment um yeah so. <laughs> get rid of all of them god ridiculous so what are we gonna listen to yeah are there any so there any particular songs that are available online that um we can play right now well let's take a look here mm-hmm. i see the the as i am album yeah is were there any songs off of that that you liked um, pretty open. I think they're all, all. It's it's like choosing. You know, your your not that I have children, but when people say, "What are you? What's your favorite child?" And it's like, mm, <laughs> uh, all equally. Yeah. So, are there any that Lies. you that in particular you feel like um, really speak to you in terms of ones that you feel uh, you feel like listening to right now, or we would like to share with the yeah. audience? Um. And this is from 2015. So yeah, this, yes, this is 2015. The first record I put out as um, after I transitioned. Um, I think a good one would be um, and you might as well play uh, uh, "Wide Wide River" because it's radio. It's radio friendly in terms of its length. Oh, and, okay. Um, mm-hmm. We're actually yeah. okay. And, totally uh, open here with length, and mm-hmm. it's totally uncensored. So you could say whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. <laughs> fuck, 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 fuck. I mean, this song. This is an example of a of a, of a song as metaphor. I mean, uh, and which sometimes as a songwriter, I don't think, I don't even think you realize until after you've been until after you've been writing a song it's something i learned from a poetry teacher of mine back in college so it's like i don't really know what this poem's about she's a poet and the student of Allen ginsburg was like mm, you know what sometimes it's taking years to understand what my work is about mm-hmm. um, 
Yeah. And when I wrote it, this was a song inspired by um, a time that I spent in upstate New York, and I just saw a few calls to peer uh, into into uh, the water's edge of the Hudson River, and I just wrote this little story about story song about about a river flooding and, and you know, people mourning people, and I, I, in the in terms of the arc of of this particular album, which which became my transition album, I think it's talking a lot about the barriers that people throw in our way and the social mores. I think that's sort of what my unconscious mind was trying to say mm. uh, through the song was like, if you cross all the things people had said to me in the past before I started to transition, which was don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> or mm. what, what the hell are you talking about? Or that's not, that's, that's not you or definitely all the things that people, other people said to me. Yes. Yeah. I got the uh, same. So, mm-hmm. so crazy. you know, that's, it's, yeah, man. That's there's no people diminish what going into being trans is and and what it is or isn't or and uh, that's funny. This weekend, a, a friend of mine was talking about queerness as spirituality and mm-hmm. uh, how we've done so much work on so many levels. So many of us. Um, because we've had to not rationalize, but for ourselves, heal ourselves, and we've been battered and bruised by an entire world. So I don't know. This is just me talking about that. Mm-hmm. So go for it. Great. <laughs> awesome. Cool. All right. So coming up right now is "Wide Wide River" by Mia Byrne from the album "As I Am," and we'll be back in a little bit after this with more with Mia Byrne. Hey, thank you.
Welcome back. Thank you so much for for suggesting that one, Mia. Hello? No problem. <laughs> yeah, I'm here. Okay, great. Yeah. Oh, so good. It's, it's yeah, so important to be able to have the art to be able to communicate what's happening in ways that sometimes just speaking doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. How long have you been playing music? Absolutely. Or have you always been a musician? I've playing... I've been playing uh, the guitar since I was 10, and I'm 39 now. Oh, wow. Awesome. Uh, uh, I've been playing professionally since I... I mean, I really started my music career uh, just in out of high school and uh, going to recording studios in New York City um, with my friend Carol and, and a bunch of other folks, and thought of what made my life today was starting out early and, and uh, just getting absorbed into the musical scene. But I really, and then I went to Berkeley College of Music for a short time but and worked in some studios, but I, I consider having been out as a professional artist since about 2003. I had my first, um, I had my first formal music industry thing the weekend that Johnny Cash died and it was in Nashville so it was oh, snap. I went to the Grand Old so I kind of think about that a lot totally oh, wow. I think about that yesterday I was thinking some beautiful Johnny Cash stuff mm, on mine mm. yeah excellent so so what's the next I can go out of anything I'm just warning you pardon I said I can make an anecdote out of anything. I'm just warning. Oh, that's a great skill to have. That's seriously yeah. <laughs> never a dull moment. <laughs> so, so what's uh, what's next for you? Next, and this is a, this is not a small deal. I'm uh, going to be performing at the Trans March. Yay! <gasps> Here in the city. Here in the city. Yay! Oh, that's I will awesome. Be per- Right before we walk, I'll be performing at 4.30 p.m. on the Transmarch stage awesome. uh, in Dolores Park, awesome. which is ridiculously exciting. Yeah. Um, I'll be playing solo. I'm trying to decide between <gasps> playing my electric guitar solo, mm. um, Buckley style, simply because <laughs> I have to march <laughs> a half hour later, and I don't want a bulky oh, yeah. guitar with me. That, that makes that sense. Funny? <laughs> That's awesome. This is what... This is, City living dictates my instrument choice more than anything else. Yeah. <laughs> I totally understand. <laughs> well, I'm also sure that folks would be happy to help out, and we could probably, oh, yeah. you know, like it's, it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a village to help carry an electric guitar if needed. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I will help you. you. Yeah, I'd, I'd happily be a, uh, I was going to say groupie, that's not the right word. Yeah. Um, a roadie. Roadie. Yes. It ends in an E. Yeah. <laughs> 
that works. Well, I'm, I might hold you to that. I'm yeah. supposed to carry a big, I'm supposed to be carrying again at the degenerate, so anything that helps my back helps. Oh, yeah, uh, of course. The degenerates are wonderful. Oh, oh, thank yeah. you. We, yeah. we love what we do, and uh, you should all walk with us, too. Yeah. Hell yeah. Would you like to talk a little, um, go ahead. Go ahead. No. Oh, I was going to say if you'd like to talk a little bit about the degenerates and what you all do um, yes. for folks who might not be familiar. Um, the degenerates, um, our official statement is that the degenerates are a feminist agitprop yes. club. Um, we make art. We perform art. Um, we strive for maximum visibility for those who can't be visible. Mm. Um, we're like a loosely affiliated disorganization of just I love it <laughs> you know the queer your mama's taught you not to hang out with <laughs> yes but it's funny because it's the, you know the, the folks who tend to become degenerates are pretty much all the folks I hung out in high school and with and like cut class and like hang out under a bridge and talk philosophy you know yes. like, but um I don't know I, I think a lot <clears throat> it's it's funny because uh, I think a, a big part of what we do is is laughingly, not laughingly, but uh, you know, just in in a respectful way, like um, you know, just like we, it's whatever. It's like the Shriners. I just want to belong to an organization that's good, and and uh, I do a lot of work uh, like that with other organizations, but I don't know, being a degenerate is, is really this feeling that, um, I've, that I've taken on responsibility by being visible, which is something I've been doing, uh, ever since I tr uh, transitioned, uh, is speaking publicly and doing the best I can to, um, push forward lives for all of us while, trying to enjoy mine and stay mm. alive and, and, yep. and be visible yeah and it's one of the most wonderful things about living in the bay area is i i don't much i don't i don't often not think about the fact that i'm gay as fuck but <laughs> i'm not forced to think about the fact that i'm gay as fuck i'm just like oh yeah i'm gay as fuck and so is everybody else yes and yes. we all want to stop fascism yes. yes that's yeah pretty much it <laughs> well most of us anyway yeah, yeah. And, i know i was just thinking it's so awesome that you're able to i mean obviously we've all been through some tough times but that you're able to express yourself with your music because and that you haven't really i mean did you go through a time where you kind of stopped playing you know because i play the cello and there's definitely been times where i've just kind of stopped playing and then i realize that's probably why i've been sad or depressed is because i stopped playing and then i start playing again and i'm like oh i'm happy again i get to express myself and I mean, I can only imagine how... I mean, it's obviously therapeutic for almost anybody that's a musician. It's it's therapy for them. But it's awesome that you're able to take it to the next level and actually produce and perform and help other people out while doing it. It's awesome. I mean, thank you. That's yeah. really humbling to hear. I, I mean, the thing is, it's uh, I, there are times where I just sit here and like certain instruments gather dust and I'm yeah. so busy with you know, life and, and work, um, and, 
a lot of people don't know this, but I do freelance editorial work and I work on like mm-hmm. books that have been bestsellers on the New York Times list and wow. like that. It's really, um, it's, it's something that I do mm-hmm. <clears throat> for, I do it, you know, I, I, I do a lot of writing and poetry, which, which most people know and, and work to publish stuff that way, but I also like work for a commercial publisher in addition to being a full-time musician, you know, I work like 80 hours a week and it's, um, it's, it's really hard sometimes to just remind myself to play music all the time. I I have the luxury of of having beautiful instruments and places to play them. And uh, at the same time, it's, it's, it, it, you echo something my roommate said to me the other day. I was not having a good day, and and Jeff said, "You need to be playing your guitar. You're a musician. Yeah. You know, you need that joy. You need to feel that." And I did, and I finished a song, and that's like, <laughs> you feel I, so much I, better. Yeah. yeah, but you know, the other truth of the matter is, is that you know, I, I do play often out. Um, and I try to be in, I, my goal in my life is just to be in the studio every single day and and on stage every single day or whatever, doing something professionally (laughs) rad every day, um, that I can, and Mm -hmm. then still having time to myself and then having time for my garden and having time to Mm -hmm. just be a human being. And it's, it's weird to, to, for for that like you understand as a cellist mm-hmm. like you really need to practice um mm-hmm. if you're going to play oh, classical yeah. music and yeah i play a lot of mandolin and that's the instrument that i often neglect the most which i think is a shame yeah and which is something i'm trying not to do <laughs> um but uh yeah Les paul uh, used to say um you know don't leave your guitar in the case yeah. never leave your guitar in the case yeah keep it out that's that's the main issue I have you know that's it's like my dream is um I had a cello teacher in high school who had um a cello rack that had four cellos on it like gorgeous cellos like and you know two of them were hers I mean they were all hers but some of them she would like loan out to her students and I like it was my dream like just to have four cellos always out because you know I live in a small space with family so I always had to put my cello away but when you have it just out it's so easy to just be like, oh, I'm going to play right now, you mm-hmm. know, but then, you know, you look at the case, you know, I got to take it out, I got to tune it, I got to do this and that, and and then it becomes a chore, and, like, I think some people don't understand how awesome it is just to have your musical instrument at, like, the piano, that's one thing I've always wished I knew, I want to learn how to play the piano, because it's so easy to just play, you know, you don't have to tune it, yeah, <laughs> you're like, you have no excuse to not practice, <laughs> but yeah, just keeping it out. I mean, yeah, <laughs> this is just one of the hurdles, but yeah, <laughs> and playing, it's hard. yeah, and playing all the damn time. <laughs> I know, and that's something that's so important to remember is that you know it's really hard to to play all the damn time. Yeah, and and uh, and and it's like I want to play all the damn time. Yeah, <laughs> um, and. <laughs> More so than others, I think I have an you know, I have a lot of opportunities to do so. I, I, it's, I'm playing music constantly, and not only my own, but I play bass in the homemobiles with 
uh, Lenny Breedluck Tribe 8 and Gary yes. from the Shondas and awesome. Ed from Homo Gogo and, <laughs> and and like I'm constantly playing with them and then people you know when I, on nights that I don't have gigs I'll go to open mics just to hang out and play with people or I'm like out of town playing awesome. um, or I'm in New York playing and or I'm or a friend is passing through town and I'm, I'm accompanying them and it's really, it's really a grand privilege. Seriously, and, uh, and I, I don't take it for granted. And I could tell. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's, it's, but it's sometimes also hard to see, you know, because when you're a musician and you're making your living doing this, and you're just waiting, you're waiting for that thing to come through. You're waiting for that big thing to just hit you in a really really good way and yeah. I think a lot of us are waiting for that or manifesting it to happen would be a, a more accurate term yeah mm. exactly and, agreed and and the, it's it's not that that's difficult to do mm-hmm. in term. it's just that I don't know I was thinking this morning about um, in, the, in the 60s here and in and in Los Angeles specifically um, and to a lesser extent, New York, but mostly in LA and San Francisco, because we're in California, man. Um, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> there was this before before the awful events of like Altamont and the, and the, and the Manson murders. Basically, meth coming into um, the sort of hippie community and you know whatever was going through people's you know minds from like forty years of lead and gasoline. Um, that's that's not a conspiracy theory. Look it up. The Secret History of Lead by mm. Jamie Kidman. It's, mm. not, it's it's great. It's a great read. Um, but um, the the um, there was less of a divide between there were there were some there were there was less of a divide between people who were making music and and doing art and like actors and yeah. writers and producers. Um, yes. LA was a small town and to an extent it still is. And so, so is San Francisco. I mean, we are the makers. The difference is now, um, I mean, I don't even know. It's like Carol King, when she and Jerry Goffin had their first big hit with, will you still love me tomorrow? I mean, she was, she was working. I, I don't remember what she was doing, but, but he was working as a chemist at Sandoz laboratory in summit, New Jersey, which is where I'm from. Wow. I got the first royalty check. She drove up and like, fucking Cadillac and like come on Jerry let's move somewhere else please yeah. quit your job now <laughs> same with like Harry Nilsson and things like that huh. I don't know it's it's hard to have perspective when you're working so hard to be seen as an artist but yes. also mm-hmm. but also just wanting to you know be this 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 this, this grand being and generous and and with means and abundance and I think that um, something that um, the author Ricky Aoki said to me that um, uh, that meant a lot um, uh, in regard is is um, about the concept of how we pull abundance from even at our very darkest we have the ability to do that and um it's 
it's something that I, I, I strive for, I think, in my own art, but I think it's something that we as a community here in the Bay tend to give to each other. We have this abundance and there's a reason so many of us are democratic socialists, <laughs> but, the, mm-hmm. but there's, there's also so much heartbreak and, and, and such harshness of the reality of gentrification society we live in and the people who are coming here with their inward facing buildings and their gyms and the buildings and mm. the grills and the buildings. Yes. And you can't, you can look out at the city, but you can't, but nobody can look in, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, absolutely. And, and when you're inside those courtyards, it feels, whether you're in Long Island city or you're in Oakland, it just feels like, you know, where the hell are you? Yes. And where are these people going to, you know? And it's, 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 weird because it's it's a strange segregationist tactic and we aren't the people who have wealth are, are sequestering themselves from the people who don't mm-hmm. and and it's 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 frightening and we as artists who are of a place need to make sure that we keep our hands on the handle here Yes. And in other towns, Detroit especially, and, and all of these places that are getting resurrected by like industry or tech or this or that. But we, you know, we are not, we're artists, we're demographic, we count, we matter. Yeah. And I think that's the hardest thing for most artists to accept. Mm-hmm. Regarding like as a trans artist, it's, it's even harder. I mm-hmm. can, you know, there's no large fathom. I didn't. I didn't do this for publicity reasons. Yeah. <laughs> I did this to, you know, to satisfy my soul. Yeah. You know. No, exactly. That, That's one of the. I I like to soliloquy. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, please. <laughs> no, I love it. <laughs> no, it's. Um, what did you say? Um, uh, I forget who had told me a while ago, but um, I think it's probably a music teacher. But being a musician is like one of the most selfish things, but like last least selfish thing you can do, because it's so much fucking work. No one really gives you credit for it, but you're doing it like because it makes you feel good. But it's but you're making other people feel good. Hopefully, like that's your goal is to bring happiness to other people by making yourself happy at the same time which I mean is like that should be everybody's goal in life I mean can I be happy and make everyone else happy I mean that's why it's it's pretty difficult to be a musician but luckily I and I grew up with a very supportive family when it comes to music so even though I know I'm like I from the moment I started playing the cello I was like well I'm gonna be poor that's fine but at least I'm a cello and it's a pretty unique talent you know whenever I tell somebody oh sorry yeah, it's a huge yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not. I mean, it doesn't pay much, <laughs> but I mean, like like you're saying, you know, you always you're manifesting for that dream mm-hmm. to come true. And mine, like as a kid, I'm like, I'm gonna go to Juilliard. But the older I've gotten, I'm like, you know, I'm not really into. I love classical, obviously, but I want to play everything. Um, and so my mo- my more recent uh, goal is to be a studio cellist for Dr. Dre. That's, yeah, that's my I, dream. I think that's freaking great. <laughs> that's that awesome. Be? That's when I'm like, I made it, guys. I yeah. Made it. <laughs> that's, all right. That's that's that's. You know, I watched a documentary on B.I. Coco last night. Oh, nice. I think a lot about uh, people who 
who do that, who, who do, he wanted to be the president of Ford Motors, and he rose up from an immigrant in, in Allentown, Pennsylvania, to, you know, to do that through, but like, that's the thing, it's like setting goals, mm-hmm. and setting goals that are, that might seem lofty, but you know, no, no, there's a path to that. Yeah. And why can't you be? Yeah. So, you know, hey, let's hang out and jam. We should hang out and jam. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to meet you at least at the trans march. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Oh, my gosh. Great. <laughs> Wonderful. Got to help you carry your stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Please. Yes. Cool. Well, thank you so much for, for calling in. Are there, so we have the um, the Mia, Mia Byrne live album ready to go. Are there any tracks from there you'd like us to play? Um, let's take a look here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want a happy song? Do you want? A, do you want? Let's do. I don't need you anymore. Okay, <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> I like it. Awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, so, so, Mia, I see that your your band camp uh, website is miaburn.bandcamp.com, so folks can find you that yeah. way. Are there any other yeah, sites you'd like to promote? Um. The band camp's great. Um, everything's under my name, but my name is is spelled M Y A B Y R N E. Just in case y'all uh, don't know that, um, but uh, yeah, the, you can go to my YouTube for some great live live stuff, and then just it's miaburn.com, Facebook.com/slash/miaburnmusic. It's all there. Awesome. Well, it's and, really uh, yeah. This is this is my this is my sing along song about people that that suck. Mm. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> there's no. People. Yeah, usually the you, the, I like it when the you in my song is is you know you know it's like, yeah, the, sometimes I have to preface that that when I go to a show and I'm just like, the people I'm singing about are not you in the audience. It's yes. the you that we all hate. So like, let's all sing along. Yeah. It's universal. Yes. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for calling in. It's really good talking with you. It's really good talking with you too. Thank you for having me and thank you for being flexible. I'm sorry we had to call it. And, um, but uh, I hope that everybody could, could hear me loud and clear. Thank yeah. you so much for listening. Absolutely. And we'll have to have you in the studio sometime, too, so you can uh, perform live for everybody. Heck yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Sounds great. Uh-huh. Cool. Thanks again, Mia, for calling in. And so coming up next is I Don't Need You Anymore off the Mia Byrne live album. And again, you can find that at miaburn.bandcamp.com. And that's M-Y-A-B-Y-R-N-E.bandcamp.com. So stay tuned, and we'll be, after uh, some music, we'll be back with some more news. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Take care. All right, you too. Yeah, I appreciate it.
Mia Burn with Be Kind, and you can find that on Mia Burn Live. If also, if you go to miaburn.bandcamp.com, apologies that it wasn't quite so loud till the end. <laughs> That's what volume's for. We can turn it up next time. <laughs> yeah, yes. so hopefully, folks are able to hear that loud and clear. And thanks again, Mia, for calling in. Thank you so much. That was great. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then there's there's Kathy Griffin, who we heard about. Mm-hmm, and my mm-hmm. whole point about this is just that, once again, women doing the job that men are too afraid to do. Yep. Thank so, you, Kathy. Thank you, Kathy. No one always giving her shit. <laughs> and uh, Sharon Needles did a performance um, dressed as Kathy <gasps> Griffin um, to the Yeah, Yeah, Yeah song, Heads Will Roll. Yes. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. Thank you, Sharon. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, she's one of my favorites on RuPaul. Yeah, so that happened. Um, yes. Also, there was the election in, in England recently, and it looks like the Labor Party has gotten a lot of votes, which is good. Oh, thank goodness. And I also heard from a friend out there that a good source for independent news in mm-hmm. England is The Canary. Oh, okay. So if you go to uh, The Canary, I believe, dot .co. Yeah. Um, that's a, you know, it's an alternate, and of course we find out a lot of news through word of mouth. Yep. So, yes, www.thecanary.co is a place to find some independent news in England. And again, yeah, it's good just to have question the sources that we hear and where we hear news from. Ooh, interesting. 
Oh, wow. Um, the BBC editor declares the end of tabloid media, which mm. is now going into a meltdown. No more tabloids. Yay. Yeah. Oh, no, UFOs. Well, you never know. I don't know. Sometimes I never know about those things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and then also uh, there is an article from Hive uh, in Vanity Fair that's, well, everyone was obsessing over Comey. Mm-hmm. Republicans passed a bill to kill Dodd-Frank. So now it's like undoing regulations in Wall Street. Not that there's there's not even enough anyway, but yeah. this is even worse. Fuck. So it's kind of again. I was thinking about that yesterday as I was flying in. Mm-hmm. Was like okay, well this is happening, and I always feel that way when there's so so much attention being paid to one thing that's happening. What else is happening that we're not being uh, that we're not talking about or that we're not aware of? Yes, that's usually the case. Mm-hmm. I know everyone's just been obsessing over Comey. That's I mean that's what everyone's talking about this morning. So many things can happen in such a short amount of time when people are looking to the left. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Mm. Unfortunately, looking to the right. Yeah, I was going to say, or right. Sorry. Eh, oh, yeah. Good one. Good one. So, do a couple plugs since I'm, I'm just going through the tabs here. Please. So, yeah. Facebook has decided to delete an event, which is because it's like, I'm eye rolling. You can't hear it. However, I am eye rolling. <laughs> so, Gay Shame, which is an awesome group of folks. Uh, I like uh, me talking about a disorganization. Yeah. I feel like there's some organizations that are kind of like that. So I love it. this Thursday, June or next Thursday. Yeah. Next Thursday, mm-hmm. a week from Thursday, June 22nd at 7 PM is the gay shame awards and the gay shame awards rewards all those glorious gentrifying genocidal forces and adulting life hacks that shine bright <sighs> like a blood diamond. Yes. Get ready for the mobile street soiree. Direct action will have never looked better as you come dressed as a glittering ghoul or their gay best friend from the Bay and beyond. <laughs> this historic night will commemorate our unique ability to always be the worst. Our luxurious yes. backdrop for the evening will include many of San Francisco's newest shimmering beacons of anti-black progress. Oh. Take part in this A-list gala with host committee members Kendall and Caitlyn Jenner, Peter <laughs> Thiel, Danny Haber, Alan and Laura Foote-Clark, Sarah Slocum, Sheriff Vicki Hennessy, oh. Victoria Fierce, David Campos, uh. I don't, uh, Dustin Lance Black, Elon Musk, Iggy Azalea, <laughs> oh, Sonia Trouse, and other programmers, and Becky's Who Techie. Ah, Becky! <laughs> Dress to express diversity, and die is Z-I-E, diversity. Mm. And so, yeah, this is happening uh, 16th Street and Jose Saria Court, and yes. this is, like, right by Market Street, and this Thursday, June 22nd, <laughs> uh, at 7 p.m., what is this called? The Gay Shame Awards? Yes. So yes. Gay Shame, is they, they do a lot of awesome things. Awesome. And so folks can show up to that. Later on that night, I'll be performing at Man Haters in Berkeley. Ooh. So I should probably uh, oh, promote, promote I, yeah. a show that I'm in. Because that's on. something that people do sometimes, I've heard. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I know it sucks having to, you know, promote yourself. But it's not, it's not, it doesn't come easy to me. I'd rather promote or protest or be like hey this is happening yeah everyone come <laughs> um, and then sometimes i do a show and i'm like why isn't anyone here and it's like oh yeah i didn't tell anyone nah. <laughs> so this is man haters women queers comedy pride show and this is thursday june 22nd from 7 to 10 p oh fuck so i can't go to both <sighs> these things happen well, i know i know both are great things uh anyway Thursday, June 22nd from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. at the White Horse Bar in Oakland, and that is at 6551 Telegraph Avenue. For, yeah, they have, uh, for ticket information, go to manhaters.eventbrite.com, and I'll be performing there along with some other folks. 
And what are you performing? I'll be doing some spoken word with some comedy. Nice stuff. Yay! It's a ten dollar tickets, seven seventy equal pay, seven dollars and seventy cents equal pay special in honor of women making seventy cents on the dollar to men. Do techies get a to pay double? They should, right? <laughs> or quadruple? If they come to the show. <laughs> so the, the headliner is Lisa Mansfield. Featured comics: Ash Fisher, uh, Tavi, uh, Lexi Adzit. Uh, myself and the host is Irene too. So definitely come check out the show. Yeah. And there's a Facebook invite with even more information. If you go to Manhaters, yes. Just type type that in. So again, that's Thursday, June twenty second. Yep, Manhaters, women, queers, comedy. Interested. Yeah. Roman writer. Oh, you invited me. I did. Oh, did you just do that? Not just now. Oh, okay. I think I when I first got it, I was like, let me invite people. Yes, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. I'll share this. Yeah, please. I want to go. Yeah. <laughs> I always, it's nice to be around women and queer folks in general. People with good politics in general. Agreed. Yes. Agreedo. Agreedo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I got that from. I like it. Yeah. It rhymes with Doritos. Oh, brilliant. I'm going to use that in a rap. <laughs> yeah. So when you and Dr. Dre collaborate. Oh, when, oh that rhymed too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it. Mind blown. <laughs> God. <laughs> <sighs> Anyways. So gay shame words. Yeah. Oh, mm. I, w- I wish I could clone myself so I could go to multiple things at the same time. I know. God damn it. Star Trek. Why aren't you real? <laughs> yeah. And teleport. <laughs> yes. Easily. Mm-hmm. You can go from the moon to Starfleet Academy. Like just bands. go to some alt-right rallies, punch some Nazis in the face, and just boom. <laughs> yes. Although I guess they would also do the same, but I feel like more of us would be more inclined to since I feel like if people weren't, I blame capitalism for a lot of things where people are at work or have certain commitments and people might be out there in the streets more if they had oh, yeah. the, if, the time to. Yeah, exactly. That's how they're keeping or us ability. down. Yeah. Minimum wage, all that shit. Yeah. Sound familiar. So <laughs> get some folks who are incarcerated who shouldn't be incarcerated out there to join us. Yep. It'd be I a different love, world. Yeah, I love when people use the excuse. Well, if they if they don't like it so much, why don't they do something about it? Hmm. I wonder why. Let me get my pie chart yeah. <laughs> and tell you what they're doing with their lives. Yeah, <laughs> it's really sad. It makes me feel really sad. Mm-hmm. God, I know we're pretty lucky that. I mean, I thank God. Thank I don't know. Thank whoever. I don't have to bust my ass all the time, and I have time to do things other than just work mm-hmm. for. God, yeah, God, it's, it's, yeah, luckily, like, I, I guess we both found places that aren't insanely expensive in the Bay Area. Yeah, and, wouldn't be able to live here otherwise. Yeah, seriously, when I found out how much you paid, I was like, God damn, <laughs> you are blessed. I am blessed, hashtag blessed. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but then that's what's awesome, though, about helping your community, like, Jasmine's the one who told me about all these, I mean, I don't even know why I wasn't even looking. I was just looking on Craigslist for places for mm-hmm. rent. And it's no surprise, you know, people are like, ah, San Francisco is so expensive. It's like, it is. But if you stay within your community and you're like, you know, like, the last place I lived at, the only reason they rented to me was because I'm Latin. And they, I was talking to them in Spanish. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, we'll give you the Latino discount. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, gracias. And then I was paying 1200 for a studio, which some people's expensive. But San Francisco, that's like really freaking cheap. Yeah, to live on your own. Yeah. I have never lived on my Yes, that was the longest I've, I mean, I've always had roommates Mm -hmm. until that time I was living on my own and it was really liberating Mm. and awesome. And 
I mean, I made a lot of friends simply because I had my own place. Yeah, definitely. You can like invite people over, have people stay over. Yeah, their without... their minds are blown when I'm like, oh, you could crash in my place. Like, yeah. you live in San Francisco? Yeah, yeah, no roommates. What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, hashtag blessed. Ah, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, goodness. One day, one day I'll do it again. One now I got day. roommates again. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. Oh, did I tell you? So the new place I'm living at, I'm replacing a cellist. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. So she's going away on tour and I get to take her place and I'm like helping with one of her students while oh, she's cool. gone. So it kind of, like I said, it, it's helping the community because it's a house full of queer people of color. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I play the cello too. And they're just like, yeah, well, yeah, you're obviously going to live here now. So it worked out perfectly. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Thank you, Jasmine, for showing me or inviting me to all those awesome housing groups. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of good ones out there. Yeah. Well, oh. Yep. And we have a phone call. Who we got? Who we got? <laughs> Mutiny Radio. I know. It's me. It's Hi, me. Gail. Who are you? Who am I? Who am I? Well, that's a deep question. Who do you want me to be? I don't know. Santa Claus? The Easter Bunny? Mm, not too into the Christian <laughs> holidays. Pixie, maybe? Uh, what says? A pixie. Oh, yeah. I'll go with pixie if those are my three choices. I'll yeah. be a pixie. Do you know anything about pixie? I know the pixies with Frank Black. Oh. And Kim, like uh, the band, the Pixies. The Pixie is like an elf, you know, mm-hmm. or, <laughs> you know, like those. It's kind of like a, you know, a fantasy, a pixie, an elf. I can totally be a fantasy. What was that? Sweet be your fantasy. fantasy, baby. Hey, I gotta tell eyes. you. Yes. Yeah? I don't know where you're coming from, but in, in my lineage or lineage, my grandmother used to be worried about the witches on the roof. The witches on the roof? That's right. Witches are usually good. Right. Yeah. It's not been that far back in my family history when the grandmother actually thought the witches were sitting up on the roof. I love huh. witches. Yeah, they do a lot okay, of good things. They're some of my best friends. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, it's not that bad. <laughs> They're probably protecting your house. Yeah. I mean, it's not that bad. They're on the lookout. Yeah, helping you well, out, no, man. No, no, I guess they were doing some evil stuff up there. Oh. I think uh, the politicians well, in Congress are doing evil. I think that was, uh, he was, I think it was 45 up on your roof. Say what? <laughs> it's taking down your solar panels. <laughs> no. Hey, what are you talking about? You don't believe in pixie? Ah, uh, I haven't seen one. I mean, a lot of people uh, don't know what a pixie is. Yeah, you know? they may, they probably exist. No, no, it's just fantasy, but yeah. they know what elves are. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Lucky Charms elf. And <laughs> oh, the like leprechaun. That. But Ooh, a lot of times you ask someone who's what's a pixie and they won't really know. Yeah, no, but I know. It's a, it's a fantasy character, but. Yeah, I'll be a are pixie. Are you a little pixie witchy? I can be a pixie sometimes. Yeah. I don't know. You don't know. I'd be amazing to find out some things like women didn't get the vote until 1920. Ugh. Yes. <laughs> But of course, a lot of guys, I don't know about you, I can't judge what you are or whatever, but a lot of guys really want their woman to be back in the old days, mm. you know, where they did everything they said. Submissive. No. I want women in charge, personally. Yeah. No, no, well, that's you, mm. but a lot of guys will not admit to it. Mm. They wish it was the old way. For fear that uh, women would actually rise up. <laughs> the women, I'm ready for women to rise up. I've been waiting for a long time. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
that's right. Uh-huh. We got a lot of guys. Live the matriarchy. Then, they try to do that. Yeah. Because you've been watching Dr. Phil. Oh. You've well. been watching these other shows. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't watch. I mean, I always see, well, about... You can't speak. She can't speak until I give her permission to speak. Ew, gross. You should be castrated. Oh, yeah. For real. Gross. Oh, yeah. And you can't shut the bathroom door when you go in there. You gotta leave the bathroom door open. What? I mean, to each their own, but, you know, consent, please. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Did yeah. you ask? <laughs> you only speak when I tell you to speak. Ew. And when I hit you, that's your fault. Oh, oh God. Because when I beat the shit out of you, mm. that's because... You made me upset. Oh, God. Yeah. Victim blaming. Yeah. There, <laughs> God. Yeah, there's a crazy show I was watching. Well, actually, it's it's a comedy, and it's kind of making fun of the fact that that's how it was back. I think it's supposed mm. to take place, like, in the 17th or 18th century. Mm. Um, the woman finds out that in order to get a divorce, you either your husband has to cheat on you, or he has to, like, beat you or something like that. And so she, even though her husband would never beat her, according to the show, um, she hits herself and goes to the police and says, hey, I want a divorce. My husband hit me. Or no, like, she doesn't say initially that it was her husband they go oh well well what did the guy look like and she's like oh well it was my husband and the cops start laughing hysterically and go well well what did you do and it's like comedy because it's true mm. and it's it's with natasha Legero or Legero. and it's it's hilarious because you're like yeah <laughs> that's that's how it was mm. you know yeah the moment you hear oh it was your husband oh well do, did you not cook the the Pasta correctly? I don't fucking know, but... Mm. I've seen a good one. The mother brought the girl to court that corrupted her adult son. Mm. You see, he was playing football and going to college to be an engineer, mm. and she played the tuition. Mm. But then this young woman corrupted her son into playing around with her, and she became pregnant. Mm. And so now the mother's blaming the woman for messing up her son's life, <laughs> where he had to leave school. Well, he's going to be a big-time football player, mm-hmm. but he had to leave school because now he got to support the child. Yep. And it was all the woman's fault. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. I mm. mean... I mean, she raped him, right? I mean, she she knocked him out, raped him, right? Is that they what happened? They engaged in the same activity. <laughs> yeah, takes two to tango. <laughs> but this is, she had a bad condom, an old condom that she provided. <laughs> Oh my God! But this one, it was serious. Give me a break. And it was the woman's fault that mm. messed up their son's life. <sighs> now he's not going to be the big football player and make the family rich. Well, mm. oh no, maybe you shouldn't go around fucking people then, if that's like your main concern. I mean, <laughs> abstinence. I always love when when you take sex ed. They're like, what's the best way to avoid STDs? I just don't fucking have sex. But they're you know condoms, obviously. You know, mm-hmm. there's ways. But I'm like, just don't don't fuck. <laughs> I mean, I, I I would not, but that's what that's the best way. <laughs> no babies, no fucking. Yeah. <laughs> well, I still like. I mean, once in a while you get a real riot on those shows. Mm-hmm. Like they had the one where the guy waited to get married. He told his wife that he was religious and they didn't want to have no goings on, so they got married. Ugh. Then they got married. And they still couldn't have no goings on because... He was gay. He was not interested in that stuff. Uh, he was probably gay. Uh, yeah. No, he wasn't gay. He asexual? Was asexual. Oh, okay. And so yeah. they tried on wedding night, but it didn't work out so good. Hmm. So they went to a priest, and the priest wasn't so concerned because cause you're only supposed to do that for procreation anyway. Oh, uh, they went the medical out. route. Yeah. Oh, no. And God forbid he has some pleasure. they going to pick out a guy to satisfy his wife sexually... You know, mm-hmm. and so that's what they did. 
But then the, his mother came over and found out what was going on mm-hmm. and didn't know at first that the husband was in on picking out the guy because he wasn't interested in sex. Mm. And the woman was religious, so she told her prayer group what was going on, mm. and it got out, and then they they uh, victimized the wife, you know, and made her, called her a whore and everything oh. because the damn mother-in-law should have kept out of their business. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's a riot. <laughs> Ridiculous. So, <sighs> I mean, this is between two married people. Mm-hmm. You know, the mother-in-law should have stood out of it. Oh, yeah. And then they had another one. This is a killer. That they went out for three years, these people, and then they were going to get married. Then I started asking his girlfriend about how many uh, relationships she had. Mm-hmm. And she had like, I forget the amount, but she had like 300, 200 relationships. Mm-hmm. She had a, a big amount of relationships. Good for her. Yeah, exactly. And, and he got all screwed up over it and didn't want to marry her after that. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. He oh. asked her. <laughs> Let me collect your tears, sir. Oh. I mean, they spent three years. Three years. <gasps> then one night, there was a program on TV or something, and then he started asking Let's talk about all our past and let's reveal I everything. I go, let's not. Let's <laughs> Keep that in the past. Amazing amount of men she'd been with, and that killed it for him. Oh. He was all upset. Oh. Poor baby. Oh, poor baby's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what he is. Too, he, Don't marry a baby. Yeah, really. Yeah. This was before. Yeah, exactly. So you just don't ask. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's shit. Well, I guess she especially like women. It. I mean, what I've heard is usually guys double the amount, and women we try to diminish the amount because oh. I mean. It's, oh no, this woman had like in the hundreds. I yeah. Think. Oh yeah, I, I believe nothing it. Wrong with that. Yeah, they ain't nothing. She got her practice. Yeah, so she knows what she's doing. Life is short. He Do what you be, can. Yeah, he should be happy. He had such an experienced woman on. Yeah, him. yeah, and she was being loyal. Yeah. <laughs> But he was all shook up and didn't want to go through with the marriage. I'm all shook up. <laughs> <laughs> and she was mad too because she said, I wasted three years on you. So yeah. She's like, you know, I could have been up to 500. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> you got to watch those court shows. A lot of them I don't mm. like. I don't like the dog show so much. The dog show. Dog show. Dog Dogs go to court? What? Like dog that, court? Some of them are really something. <laughs> like the guy who that his neighbor should pay because the dog he was watching for his brother attacked him Ooh. Oh. and he was trying to get her to let her in her car to save him from the dogs attacking him mm-hmm. and he was supposed to be taking care of the damn things uh-huh. and they attacked him and she he wanted her to pay the hospital bills because he would not let her in the car she would not let him in the car to save him from the own dogs attacking him mm-hmm. so you gotta pay my hospital bills mm. He didn't, win that, he didn't win that case. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for calling in, Gail. It's always good I to know, hear from you. you watch that. We you will. find out at the beginning of the relationship how many people you've been playing with. <laughs> <laughs> Don't waste three years. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Bye. Bye. See ya. <laughs> Thanks so much to Sweet Gail for calling in, um, <laughs> letting us know what's happening on TV. I try not to watch too much. I don't have a TV, so it's hard to watch it. However, I guess it's good to know what's happening in the world. Yeah, she's yeah, she's our daily show. Or yeah. Whatever. <laughs> recap. Yeah. <laughs> this week's recap. Yeah. To <laughs> recap. Re- <laughs> recap. <laughs> 
Pixie news. Yes. Brought to you by some pixies. <laughs> yes. Speaking of which, there's an article. One, there's like still, but all these. If you were to see my browser, you'd see that there's at least a dozen tabs still open, and we're at 140 already. <sighs> so I'll go over this one. I feel like go this encompasses it. a lot. This yes. is from the Guardian, and this is an op- opinion option. Mm-hmm. It's that point where I start stop using words correctly, <laughs> or I use like, I use alternate words. Okay. Yes, it. there is a free speech crisis. But its victims are not white men. Oh, so we don't talk about it. <laughs> so, uh, Stephen W. Thrasher, cool name, by the way, wrote this. Women, people of color, and politicians standing up to racism and sexism are threatened every day, but the right rarely seems concerned about that. Duh. <laughs> Listening to talking heads on both the left and the right, you'd think that America is facing a freedom of speech crisis, but the crisis isn't what it's made out to be. The Jonathan Chates and Frank Brunis and Sean Hannity's of the world are not lacking in freedom to speak, nor are the white conservatives on college campuses they seem so worried about. It's women and people of color who struggle the most finding a platform. Mm -hmm. But there is a conspicuous lack of concern about that by free speech crusaders. When Bill O'Reilly and the (laughs) second paragraph, oh right, when Bill O'Reilly and the late Roger Ailes were paid tens of millions of dollars for stepping down from their jobs, far more than the settlements that the women they were accused of sexually. I don't know why I say accused like that. Yeah, they okay. They were accused of sexually harassing. Received, they weren't being silenced. And Bill Maher getting deserved blowback for saying I can't I'm not even repeat what he said mm-hmm. doesn't make him make him struggle to speak freely those of us who are routinely called and then they use a number of words which I don't even want to repeat on here because mm-hmm. I'm going to censor myself because I don't want to use words that like trigger people yeah. um, on the regular mm-hmm. and who are threatened with violence and death have a much harder time accessing the right of free speech mm-hmm. just look at what happened to uh, Kianga Yamada Taylor, a Princeton professor and the author of From Hashtag Black Lives Matter to Black Liberation last week. Taylor is a rising public intellectual, and the students of Hampshire College asked her to be their commencement speaker. Mm. She gave a forceful, riveting address in which she correctly said that Donald Trump had fulfilled the campaign promises of a campaign organized and built upon racism, corporatism, and militarism. Mm-hmm. While it was excellent, it wasn't really a matter of national news. But Fox News decided it was and whipped up hysteria around her. Mm. Not long after a Fox story and video were published, Taylor wrote, My work email was inundated with vile and violent statements. I have been repeatedly called. And then there's a whole list of derogatory uh, names that she was called. A clear reminder that racial violence is closely aligned with gender and sexual violence. I have been threatened with lynching and having the bullet from a 44 Magnum put in my head. <sighs> she had to cancel Fuck. talks in Seattle and San Diego. Considering yep. recent news that Trump's Twitter account seems to be cultivating millions of bots to act as an army of propaganda trolls, what happened to Taylor is no surprise and seems to come from a playbook I know well. Mm-hmm. Last year, The Guardian commissioned a report which analyzed the comments left on thousands of writers' stories, the majority written by white men, over a 10-year period. It found that none of the 10 writers targeted with the most abuse were white men. <laughs> they were all either women and or people of color. And the uncompensated cost of being the target of such viciousness takes a toll. Indeed, I went through my inbox of unsolicited messages over the weekend. They included messages such as, I can't even, I won't even read this. They're really fucking bad. That's what I will say. Um, And just like their threats and really 
disturbing language. Yep. That wasn't the first time that I'd been physically threatened by an internet message. I had not yet had to cancel a live event from such threats, but I realized in this gun-soaked country, someone like me will get shot in public eventually. <sighs> Cases like Gabby Giffords in Arizona or Joe Cox in England show just how real the danger of extremist gunmen is. Kim Weaver of Iowa isn't going to risk it. The Democrat was planning to run against Congressman Steve King, one of the most xenophobic bigots in the House of Representatives, which is no easy place to stand out for racism. Uh But over the weekend, she dropped out, saying she had received very alarming acts of intimidation, including death threats, and that if she were to quit her job to campaign full-time, recent legislation on health insurance and the possibility of seeking a new job after the election, if she lost, would result in too much of a risk for me in not being able to secure health insurance. The threats coming against Weaver, Taylor, my colleagues Jessica Valenti, and Lindy West, and myself are not coming out of a vacuum. They're happening in a society where violence against women is so rewarded, the NFL will hire men who beat women before they'll hire a man who kneeled against protest during the national anthem. Yep. They're happening in a country where the majority of white voters elected a man who bragged about grabbing women, you know how that ends, without consent. They are happening in a country where, as Business Insider put it, Trump has unleashed a white crime wave against people of color from Maryland to Kansas to Oregon. They are happening in a country where Confederate monuments are removed at night for the safety of those removing them, Mm -hmm. but where pro-Confederate forces feel safe to carrying torches. Yep. They are happening in a country where an academic philosophy journal will publish a Black Lives Matter symposium without any black philosophers. And they are happening in a country where black children are shot by the police, where the greatest basketball player of all time has a racial slur painted on his home, and where a noose was found at the nation's newest black history museum. Yep. The threat of violence, whether it is implied or acted on, is intended to intimidate and to silence, Taylor wrote. I'd add that... The intent of ignoring such threats is also to intimidate and silence, i.e., I never saw Ann Coulter, Hannity, or Chite wring their hands over Taylor's free speech, or Bruni actually, and Bruni actually published a column arguing against calling out campus racism the same week Taylor was kept from visiting a campus because of violent racist threats. Women, writers of color, and politicians standing up to racism and sexism are threatened every day to this end in a blatant attempt to suppress our speech. Sometimes it works. Mm-hmm. As James Baldwin says near the end of I Am Not Your Negro, you talk about making it as a writer by yourself, but you have to be able to turn off all the antenna with which you live, because once you turn your back on this society, you may die. You may die, and it's very hard to sit at a typewriter and concentrate on that if you are afraid of the world around you. Mm-hmm. For Taylor, Weaver, and those of us who get emailed threats of violence, we have a much higher price to pay for free speech. That price may be death, and I am sick of Trump, the Trumps of the world for fanning these flames, and of the Brunies and Chates pretending like they have it worse than the rest of us. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so that's... Very well put. And again, you can read that at The Guardian. And the title of the article is, Yes, There is a Free Speech Crisis, But Its Victims Are Not White Men. And that was written by Stephen W. Thrasher. <sighs> so that seems to encompass quite a lot of what's happening right now. Yep. God. <sighs> I mean, you have to love with your... Well, so these people that do this, they're so fucking amazing. Because I know, and they know, there's always threats of violence. Mm-hmm. It's the, like... I know, obviously, I don't know anybody that thinks that racism isn't alive and well, because we all know racism is alive and well. But 
oh god you really thank god for these people they Mm -hmm. they're putting their lives on the line but that's they're so amazing (laughs) like keep doing it i mean i don't want you to die obviously but you're making the biggest difference in the world and we need it and that's so sad that some people are silenced you're kept in your homes i mean and thank goodness for social media and such because i mean for a lot of these people like they want to go out and have public speeches and make their voices heard out in the streets but sometimes the loudest you can be is just by publishing something you know online Mm -hmm. but at least they're able to do that i guess but you'll still have you know someone graffiti some horrible shit on your house yeah or worse yeah or yeah or your fucking house set on fire i mean that's been happening for a long time (laughs) yeah um uh, trigger warning another mm-hmm. uh, Kenny McFadden is the 12th trans person of color murdered in the US this year uh, yes. so that's an epidemic that has mm-hmm. continued to happen mm-hmm. so wanting to say rest in power and here are the names yes. of the trans people who have been murdered so far in the United States this year uh, Misha Caldwell 41 Jamie Lee Wounded Arrow 28 Jojo Stryker 23 Kiki Collier 24 China Gibson 31 Chiara McElveen, 21. Jacarius Holland, 18. Alfonso Watson, 38. Che Reed, 29. Mix Bostic, 59. Sherelle Faulkner, 46. And Kenny McFadden, 27. Mm, rest in peace. Don't um, let this happen. <laughs> it feels really Sisyphean. It's just like this kind of, it's like this ongoing. Ugh. Mm. So God. So I need more safe spaces. Yeah. Or just come together. being able to like walk down the street. Yeah. You know, beyond that. I know there should be like an app. Trans person needs transportation. Yeah. Come with me, buddy system. Yeah. And it shouldn't be that way, but I'm more than happy. Like I've I have a few trans friends that I'll like late at night. I'm like, where are you? You wanna mm-hmm. well, I'm in downtown. Are you in downtown? Let's yeah. let's go together because I don't want you walking by yourself. Yeah. It's fucked up. Yeah, and so much of it's like trying to teach folks to not be transphobic. Yeah. Like, that just has to happen. Yeah. Mm. So, God, I know. And honestly, when they're so. alone, it's like they're a target. And I can only imagine, because I feel when I'm with them, nothing bad happens. Mm-hmm. But it's because I'm probably with them. Mm. So I can't, I don't even, I don't even know what would happen if I wasn't there many a times that I've been with friends. And mm. it's scary. I'm scared for them all the time. Yeah. I don't, because it's too real. But... Moving along to something on the flip side of that, the folks who, um, so from HuffPost, remembering Storm the woman of color who incited the Stonewall Revolution. Yeah, yeah. Let's set the record straight, no pun intended. A lesbian was responsible for starting the Stonewall riot, and this came out on June 4th. I'll just read a little bit about this. She was cut from the movie. uh, His story... Uh, was rewritten as usual, but let's set the record straight. No pun intended. A butch lesbian was responsible for starting the first Stonewall riot at 1.20 a.m. on June 28, 1969. That night, a brave woman of color, Stormé de Laverie, was hit on the head with a billy club and handcuffed. She was bleeding from the head when she brazenly turned to the crowd and hollered, why don't you do something? Yes. After a long struggle, Storme was dragged into a paddy wagon, and that's where the scene exploded. That yeah. summer night, a revolution began, and it was a strong butch woman of color that is reported to have thrown the first punch. Exactly one year later, on June 28, 1970, the first Pride Parade took place. Mm. It was more of a political demonstration in response to what happened at Stonewall. Yeah. 
One year after the Stonewall riots galvanized New York's fearful gay men and lesbians into fighters, a handful of us planned our first march. We had no idea how it would turn out. We weren't even certain we would be granted a permit. And now, here we are, June 28, 1970, with people gathered west of 6th Avenue at Waverly Place, says Fred Sargent. The Stonewall Inn was owned and operated by the Mafia. La -da -da -da. We know, a lot of us know the story. Um, the, st the name Stormé de Larvery may not ring a bell, but it should. And mm. so let's read a bit about Stormé, uh, who was born to an African-American mother and a white father in the 1920s, performed as a drag king and one of the several butch lesbians who fought against the police on the night of the riots. When Stormé threw the very first punch that night, it was in self-defense. The cop hit me, and I hit him back, yeah. Stormé recounted. Fucking right. awesome. Yes. Uh, Stormé de Larvery never sought to take credit for spurring a historical movement, but many recount her call to arms and the powerful words she shouted with all her might that incited the Stonewall riots. <sighs> that night, the gay men, lesbians, drag queens, and drag kings who hung out there decided to fight back. And also, we'd say trans folks. Yep. Stormé <laughs> de Larvery served the lesbian community for decades as a volunteer street patrol worker. She patrolled the lesbian bars to keep what she lovingly referred to as her baby girl safe. She was androgynous, tall, dark, handsome, and legally armed. She did this mm. all the way up until she was 80-something years old, retiring oh, in the early 2000s. In 2017, there are less than a handful of lesbian bars remaining in the U.S. The last remaining lesbian bar in San Francisco, the Lexington Club, closed its doors in 2015. Stormé is fondly remembered as the gay superhero, a fearless protector of the lesbian spaces that have all but gone extinct mm. and so Stormay died in her sleep in Brooklyn on May 24th 2014 hmm. Man. God beautiful yeah I'd love to have met her <laughs> yeah same powerful very I powerful mm, I hit him or he hit me I hit him back yeah I mean that's what it's about it's about self-defense exactly exactly also, we've got some other positive news stories. Um, so, uh, Chokwe Antar Lumumba wins Jackson, Mississippi mayoral race. Mm -hmm. And so, he's the th he's 34 years old, son of the late Jackson, Mississippi mayor uh, Chokwe Lumumba and community activist Nubia Lumumba, and the new mayor elect of Jackson, Mississippi, beating Republican challenger Jason Wells in yes. a landslide victory. Um, we have a lot of work to do, Lumumba said, at the King Edward Hotel as he acknowledged his win. If you have the best ideas, that's what we're moving with. Yeah. Supporters shouted, one city, one aim, one destiny. And so that's this is some good news. Yeah. <laughs> Better than a Republican. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's absolutely. Much, yeah. <laughs> also announcing hashtag Subway Library, free ebooks for your commute from the New York Public Library. So there's a Ooh. an article there. So that's great. More awesome. reading for people. Some positive news there. Yeah. There's also an article. This is from the in, uh, Monthly Review, which is an independent socialist magazine. There's a very long article, The Origins of American Fascism. So folks feel like reading up about that because that's kind of what we're going through. Mm -hmm. uh, there's an article written by Michael Joseph Roberto. And again, that's at monthlyreview.org, The Origins of American Fascism, because it's been around for a long time. Yeah. Um, also, let's keep on going along. Yeah. Okay, from Broke Ass Stewart. Prankster tricks tech incubator into supporting homeless people. So this, folk, <gasps> this person ended up donating $20,000 to the Coalition on Homelessness, which is a great organization. I encourage folks to donate and check them out. Yes. They're also the folks responsible for setting up Street Sheet, and they do a lot of amazing work. So, mm -hmm. yay. Yeah. Donate to them. Street Sheet's yeah, good. Good yeah, stuff. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's good. Going through. Okay, Canary, we got to that. Um, all right. And I think, yeah, 
Great. Got mm-hmm. through got yeah. through those headlines. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Anything you'd like to, to share before we close out? Uh, let's see. We talked about Stonewall. Remembering. Oh, yeah. Well, the Upstairs Lounge. Oh, yes. Yeah. Since, yeah, the LGBT massacre happened 40 years ago. Uh, June 24, 73. It was a Sunday for New Orleans gay community. It was the last day of National Pride Weekend, as well as the fourth anniversary of 1969 Stonewall Uprising. You couldn't really have an open celebration of those events. In 73, anti-gay slurs, discrimination, and even violence were still as common as sin. But the Reveliers had few concerns. Uh, They had their own gathering spots in the sweltering city, places where people tended to leave them be, including a second-floor bar on the corner of Iberville and Chartreuse a street called the Upstairs Lounge. That Sunday, dozens of members of the Metropolitan Community Church, MCC, the nation's first gay church, founded in L.A. in 1969, got together uh, there for drinks and conversation. It seems to have been in... Um, uh, uh, oh, the atmosphere was welcoming enough that two gay brothers, Ed Morin, even brought their mom Inez and proudly introduced her to their other patrons. Beer flowed, laughter filled the room. Sounds like a good time. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, just before 8 p.m., uh, the doorbell rang in, uh, insistently. To answer it, you had to unlock a steel door that opened uh, onto a flight of stairs leading down to the ground floor. Bartender Buddy uh, Ramison, uh, Rasmussen, expecting a taxi driver, asked his friend Luther Boggs to let the man in. Perhaps Boggs, after he pulled the door open, had just enough time to smell the... Uh, Ronsonal lighter fluid that had attack uh, that the attacker of the upstairs lounge had sprayed on the steps. In the next instant, he found himself in an unimaginable pain as the fireball exploded, pushing upward and into the bar. The ensuing 15 minutes were the most horrific that any of the 65 or so customers had ever endured, full of flames, smoke, panic, breaking glass, and screams. MCC assistant pastor George Mitch Michael escaped, but soon returned to try to rescue his boyfriend, Louis Broussard. Both died in the fire, their bodies clinging together in death, like a scene from the aftermath of Pompeii. Metal bars on the upstairs lounge windows meant to keep people from falling out were just 14 inches apart. While some managed to squeeze through and jump, others got stuck. That's how the MCC's pastor, Reverend Bill Larson, died, screaming, Oh God, no. As the flames charred his flesh, when police and firefighters surveyed and began clearing the scene, they left Larson fused to the window for... Uh, there's some pretty fucked up photos. 23 people lost their lives that Sunday 40 years ago. Luther Boggs and S. Warren, Warren's son amongst them. Homophobia being what it was, several families declined to claim the bodies. One church after another refused to bury or memorialize the dead. Three victims were never identified or claimed and were interred at the local potter's fields. God. There's more. That's that's pretty much we get what fucking happened. Yeah. That shit. All right. Mm, I'm sorry. We got to remember. Oh. Just 40 years ago. Yeah. Hate is still rampant. And we're coming up to the anniversary of the Pulse shooting as well. So uh, perhaps we'll be talking about that in the next couple of weeks. Yep. All right. Well, um, thanks everybody for listening. Thank you, Azalea, for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Mia Byrne, for calling in. Mm-hmm. Coming up next is Women's Magazine with Global Val, and we will leave you with some more Mia Byrne. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. Have a great week and <laughs> everything awesome. <laughs> Beep boop. Bye. <laughs>